So one of the things we do uh, pretty much every year is after our, our Christmas Eve service as we begin kind of our journey uh, to go see family. So we stop in at my family's house just southwest of Dayton and Germantown, Ohio, and just spend a, a day or two there. And then um, the holidays give us kind of an extended period where we feel like it's a good time to take some time off. And so then we journey down to, to Alabama to see my wife's family. And it, it, what's kind of nice about that is I get a Sunday where I get to go to the church that she grew up in and I get to kind of see what they're doing and hear a, a sermon um, by an, another pastor and even um, somebody not in our church. And uh, I, I thought back to last year's sermon that their pastor gave, and he was giving kind of the uh, prototypical thematic sermon that almost all of the pastors or even series that pretty much all of us pastors were doing at the time. And uh, it, was, it was about vision. And I remember his artwork had like glasses on it. And, and you know, everybody's playing up the, the 2020 vision thing, right? It's 2020, everybody's casting vision. This is what we hope for our church. This is what we hope for our lives. And so he's kind of laying it on out, all out there. And I, I remember this artwork and, and a lot of us were thinking uh, about this too, like uh, it's 2020, right? We're going we're gonna to do some things with our lives that we've never done before. We're going to plan for some things. Uh, it, it's going to be great. And then 2020 happened and it was like, like that. Right? I just wanted to destroy something this morning after starting a new year. Wake you up. Everybody was starting with this verse right here. Listen, this is what it says. Where there is no vision, the people perish. It's from Proverbs 29, 18. This is like the few times non-King James people end up using the King James here because pastors, people, we just love this idea of vision, don't we? And, 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 and to be honest, uh, it is important to have a vision for your life. It's important to have a vision for your church. It's important if you're an organizational leader to have a vision for your organization. Otherwise, right, people do perish. We don't do well if we don't have kind of a vision for our life or plan for our life. And, and so many of us, we have a, a, have a vision or even had a vision and had plans for 2020. We had these goals we were trying to reach, whether it be with our, our faith, you all had maybe some spiritual goals, some things that you were going to do. You're going to read through the Bible in a year. You're going to study it with a, a group of friends. Maybe you had some friend or family, like some relational goals, and then 2020 happened and you were told not to be around anybody. And so those may have just kind of gotten smashed or destroyed. Some of you may have had some fitness goals. And then what happened to the gyms? They got shut down, and, and some of you, right, you didn't have to worry about that anyways. After, like, January 10th, you were done with that to begin with. So COVID had nothing to do with that. Just be honest with yourself there. And uh, uh, so you had uh, maybe financial goals, right, financial goals. And so uh, uh, how, did, how did 2020 impact that? Maybe you were uh, laid off or you weren't working or you're just – you're just nervous that you might lose some of However that works, the 2020 really just, really threw us all for uh, a loop. And I, I can tell you, even as a church, right, 2020 did not go really how we envisioned it. And some things did not happen and have not happened that we hoped would happen, as our elders have reflected 
on the past year. You know, we had a, a, a kind of a visioning moment last year and we put together and kind of recrafted even our mission statement, which our vision flows kind of out of our, our, our mission statement. And um, it was just a struggle. If you're curious, I think this is something that we need to just share uh, more often than what we do, but is even as we talk about our mission statement, I, I want to make our mission statement clear to us all because it's a, our mission statement, just because things happen, doesn't mean that we can't continue to carry them out in new and fresh ways. And even this year, we need to be reminded of what our mission is as a church and who we are as a church and how you express that even as an individual. And so here's our mission as a church. We exist to know God. We exist to belong. We exist to live with purpose and to spread God's love. And so this is, what, this, is the, this is who we want to be collectively and even as individuals. We want you to be the type of people that know God. We want you to be the type of people who know that you belong to this church, that you belong in this place. And we want you to be the type of people who help others to belong to God's church and God's people. Uh, we want everybody to live a purpose. We do. We want, you have a purpose in your life. We want you to live it out. We want you to exhibit it. And, and a bottom line through all of this is we want you to spread God's love. Uh, your, the greatest commandment, right, is to love God and love other people. And if we are not doing that well, we are not doing anything well. And we envision anything good kind of coming out of our church happening when we carry out this mission statement. So vision is really important for us all, even if it feels like it's getting smashed. And in 2021, we need to kind of be reminded of that and not give up and not lose hope because that's really what vision is about to a certain extent. It's hope. It's believing that kind of no matter kind of where we're at, what we're going through, what's happening right now, that we believe that a better future reality exists. We as, as, as Christians and as followers of Jesus, no matter what you've gone through, where you're at right now, what's happened to you in the past, what's happening to you right now is that we are people who are filled with hope. We are literally like eternal optimists as followers of Jesus. That's why you, you, you see the, the scriptures talking so much about hope. And the book of Romans, the first half of Romans, really not the first half, um, the first 11 chapters right, is all about the gospel. It's all about Jesus. It's all about what he's done and how the, the spirit is now uh, alive in individual believers in the church at large. And then you get to chapter 12 and something happens. And in chapter 12 in, in Romans, what happens is there's kind of a shift in the writing. The writing goes to everything that God has done and everything that God is doing to what now you should do in light of everything that God has done. And we get to verse 12 of chapter 12, and we're told to rejoice in hope. Right, so we just got done, Paul just got done talking about everything Christ has done and how the Holy and you as an individual believer and also the church at large. And he says, now our job is to rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation and be constant in prayer. And so we are to rejoice that we have hope, that we believe that God is working all things out for the good for those who love and trust in him. We believe that. So no matter what has happened in the past or what even still might happen in the future, we come every Sunday morning, uh, we throughout the week, right? We are, are to rejoice in hope because there's a better future coming. 
God has got us in his hands. He promises to be good to us. And if we believe that, then we can be patient in tribulation. We can endure suffering. We can endure hardship. And we should still be constant in prayer because we know that God listens to our prayers. And he's in the midst of tribulation. And he's in the midst of our rejoicing when things are going really well. And so this is the implications of our faith that we should rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. And I have a hope for 2021. Right? And it's, it's, as I was thinking about this this week, and we've kind of been working on this a little bit as elders and staff, one of the things I want to share with you is just kind of a word that goes with the word that's going to be kind of our, our word of the year as we kind of try to, as, as Debbie was talking about, once again, at some point, fill the sanctuary again. Um, Uh, But here's kind of what I'm hoping for in 2021 will take place. Uh, It's these two things. It's basically that we will rebuild and reconnect. I am hoping that in 2021 that we will rebuild and reconnect. I mean this both on an individual level and I mean this on a corporate level. I I believe that's going to be really important for some of us to rebuild what's important. And for me as a pastor, when I talk about rebuilding what's important... I mean people. I mean their lives. Some of our, our programs have, as a church has, have kind of take, taken a really big hit. Right? Um, and that's troubling because we've put programs together to connect people and, and to help people. But in reality, what I hope takes place is that we are building up people. Uh, the programs don't exist so that we can run programs. So any program or anything that we have as a church that we put together is it, for you. It's, it's for our people. And I, I wondered, because right, being a, a pastor, you feel like, you feel like a parent. Um, and you kind of hope that when hard things happen as a parent, uh, or when it's time for maybe your children to move on, to kind of go off and be on their own, that your, your children are prepared. And a lot of what has happened with COVID is that we've kind of been scattered. And there are people that, you know, to be honest with you, I haven't seen in a, in a really long time. And, and so I maybe just kind of hear about their lives. And some of it's really positive and, and some of it's not so positive. And so sometimes you feel like a, a really proud parent. And it's just like, man, that person, their faith is really getting stronger. They're doing really well during this time of tribulation. Like, thank God for that. And I may have had nothing to do with that, but you just, you feel like, you just feel like a good pastor in those times. And then there's these others who COVID has kind of, you haven't seen them for a while and you know they're struggling, right? Aired them in a way that I, I think I should have. And, you know, kind of the enemy is, is after them and they're, they're, they're just struggling. And so we want to make sure that we are rebuilding lives that may have been kind of lost in the ruins. And so as I talk about rebuilding this morning, let's talk about rebuilding this morning. I want to talk to some of those of you who maybe feel like your lives have taken a hit or maybe you just want to continue to build on, on what you've built. But some of you maybe feel like, Right, last year has kind of knocked you back a step and you don't feel like your life is where you want it to be. And, 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 and that's a difficult thing because significance is it's really important to us all. <laughs> My father-in-law, while we were 
down visiting him this past time. He was telling me about when he worked at, uh, worked at McDonald's. He said, well, I was working at McDonald's, and I wonder what made his manager tell him this. I wonder what his attitude was like. But he said, hey, Pat, come here. And he said, when you stick your finger in a bucket of water and pull it out, he said, what is left? He's like, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, when you stick your finger in a bucket of water, what happens? Is there anything left? And he said he looked at him, realized what he was talking about and getting at. What he was trying to say is that when you stick your finger in a bucket of water and pull it out, it looks like nothing was there. What he was telling my father-in-law at the time is that your life really doesn't make that big of a difference. Be humble. They're not going to remember you. Now, maybe he needed that at that time. Sometimes we need to be humbled. We really do. And that's something to maybe remember at different times, not to make ourselves so important. That, you know, a lot of us at some point in our lives or after our lives, like we may be forgotten. But if we're true, I think, I think what is more true and what is needed really for all of us to know is that when we stick our finger in a bucket of water, when we throw a rock in a bucket of water, is what really takes place, if you pay attention to, is that there are ripples that take place. That the water is not undisturbed. That your life matters. What you do affects the rest of the bucket and the rest of the world. Now, you may not actually have the influence to affect everyone around you, but you do have the influence of those probably you love around. If you have a family, right, if you're married, you influence your husband or your wife. You either love them well or you don't. You teach them how to love or you don't. If, if you have children, your children are watching you. They, they are seeing how you react. They are, they are most impacted by you more than anything else. And you're going to leave a kind of a ripple effect in, your, in their life. If you have friends, you, you are making a difference in, in their lives. You, you have significance and you are making a difference and you desire that as well. We, we all do. We, we need to know not that we'll be remembered forever, but that we'll have done something that mattered for somebody else. You know, I get to do them fairly often because I'm a pastor, but as I say about me at my funeral. And as I think about that, I just don't mean people. Really, what I want to know is like the people who even knew me best. Like, what will my wife say about me at my funeral? Will she say I did what I could to, to take care of her, to love her, to, to, to raise our, our children, uh, to, to leave something for our kids that they would be uh, proud of or thankful for? What will my children say? What, what will the churches that I pastored say about me? I, I think about that sometimes. Right? I, I'll be honest with you, right? I don't want to be just insignificant. I want to do some things that, that make a difference for, for other people. And just before I move on here, I, I want to make this clear, that your ultimate significance is not what you do. Right? It's not about that, right? The gospel teaches us, like, God loves you because you were you. God, God created you. God loves you. Jesus died on the cross because he loves you. So your significance, your self-worth, none of that comes by 
what you do. None of, none of that is there. It's what Christ has done for you. But the truth is, I would be lying to you if I told you that he, you can have great impact without doing something, without seeing your life in a way where you have to do things to be significant to other people, right? to pass on your significance or to pass on what God has given you to do, to have greater impact. My son got Legos for Christmas. He gets these little Lego packets if you have Legos. And they come with an image on the front of the Lego box. I don't know if you've got those. So he got these like little Star Wars Lego uh, like airplane things. And so he got them and we got them out and we put them on the counter. And uh, he's like, Daddy, let's just start putting things together. And I'm like, no, son. He's six, um, and I'm just not, like, wired to just put things that look right together. And I was like, let's, let's, let's follow these instructions, these plans. They're, it's actually, this thing's going to be pretty cool when we get done, but we need to follow the plans. And so we went through the plans, and they got these pictures that just kind of step by step. You take this piece and put it on there, and take this piece, put it on there. And then we had, like, this little... Star Wars jet thing that we could put together and these people uh, that go on there. And it, it, it's really cool. You're actually really proud of it actually after you do it. But what's funny is that you had, to, you had this plan uh, to do it and, and it, was, it, was, it wasn't that difficult, but you had, to have the, you had to follow the plan. If I wouldn't have followed the plan, like who knows what that would have been. It might have vaguely resembled a jet. And if my son would have done it, the same thing and the reason, the reason I, I tell you uh, about that is because most of our lives, right, if we want to have a great impact, if we want it to look like a particular thing, we actually have to have a plan to build it that way. Some people can get by just kind of going through life and, and just kind of putting random pieces together as it, as it comes and to be honest, it's probably just what most people do. And, and that's fine, right? You're, you're not insignificant if that's how you go about life. But I, I think you'll have the greatest impact if you actually have a, have a plan. Kind of have an idea of what you're shooting at and goals that you have and, and a vision for your life. And that's actually part of, the, part of our mission as a church is to kind of help people think about their purpose for their lives and put together a plan where they can have as much impact as possible. This is one of the reasons that when you join our church, we try to, we ask that you, or think about joining our church, we ask that you begin to think about taking our, our next steps class. Uh, and it's why I added uh, this, this next class. By the way, these next couple sermons are going to be kind of like uh, really instructional for us, um, just because I feel like that's kind of where we need to go as, as a church right now. I need to give kind of some direction um, as we're kind of coming back and reconnecting and so forth. But, and so this is almost like an announcement. This is really important for us because if you are looking kind of for a plan for your life and some goals for your life, we, I, I instituted this class last year and I had a couple people tell me how helpful it was. And it's a life purposes class. Right? If you kind of feel like right now that your life is kind of like a bunch of scattered Legos and you're just kind of putting them together one by one and, and trying to figure out like, trying to figure out where should my finances go, like what should I do relationally and all those sorts of things. I really think this will help. And I'm going to do this through Zoom with people. 
Uh, and last year, I know a lot of the people who probably took this, it's like they got kind of thrown off the mark, but now we know what's coming, kind of. And, and so we can kind of get back on track here. So I encourage you to do that. Um, I think this is one way that we're really going to kind of be able to rebuild and you're going to be able to rebuild. The second thing that I hope for our church, second thing that I hope for our church, and let me back up here. This is something really good to do with your spouse, by the way. Um, and so if you're going to take this, I actually encourage you to do this with your spouse. Join us with your spouse if you're able to. You can do it by yourself. You don't have to, but you do it with your spouse. The second area uh, that I feel is real important to us, and this is our elders feel really important, is this idea of reconnecting. Reconnect. This is going to be kind of our theme for the year. And uh, we know that, I know that like, COVID is still out there. The vaccine has not been distributed. People are still being really careful. Like tomorrow, we didn't snap our hands in 2021 and everybody's back in church. Everybody's shaking hands. Everybody's giving hugs. Everybody's out there without a mask. We get that. But at some point during 2021, we need to be thinking about reconnecting. I had one of our elders as we were trying to figure out what do we tell our congregation? How do we kind of encourage our congregation over the next year? What word is our word? What theme is our theme? One of our elders spoke up and he just said, I just feel so disconnected from the Lord at different times right now because of how disjointed the church feels and all the different things that we're going through as a society. I feel like we need to, to reconnect. We need to reconnect with God. We need to reconnect with one another at some point. And I said, I feel like that should be our theme. And then I, I got to thinking about it. And uh, it was Sean Reed who began to speak into this. I said, well, that's really interesting because some of you know this, but I'm going on sabbatical this summer and I wrote for this grant. And so I got this kind of large grant to be able to go on sabbatical and travel and do all of these things. Do you know what the theme of my sabbatical grant was that I wrote for? It was reconnecting. Those of you who know me know that probably the most important thing in my life is my, my family. And living away from family is uh, not the easiest thing for people who uh, love their family very much. I even love Emily's side, uh, believe it or not. And, and so the theme of my sabbatical is I'm going to go reconnect with some of my family, some of my friends that I grew up with, some of my mentors that I haven't really even seen in years. Uh, and so that was our theme. So I believe that this is something that God has really brought about in our church. And so I want to make sure that we are reconnecting what's important. Uh, driving around at Christmas, I've used this analogy already once, kind of this year, so I hope to not overuse it. But um, we see that there are Christmas lights put up this time of year. And we put Christmas lights up during this time of year, kind of a, a neat time of year, because during the winter, right, it's a dark season. And so it gets dark sooner, it stays dark longer. And now we have these Christmas lights out of people's houses. And so we walk outside, and, oh, it's kind of nice. It's dark at five o'clock, but then look at those pretty lights across the street. One of the things that reminds me of as a follower of Jesus is that we are the light of the world. That's what Jesus tells us. He says, we're a light of the world. And so we don't light a lamp and we don't hide it under a, a, a bushel or, or anything like that. And, and um, when I think about those Christmas lights, I have Christmas lights and I kind of unplugged them and plugged them in for a while before I had a, a timer, an automatic timer, because I didn't want them on all day. And it reminds me that those Christmas lights kind of have a power source, don't they? And so when they're plugged in, they're on. When they're 
unplugged, they're off. And they're not able to work unless they're plugged in. And I think what has happened to a lot of us this year, right, if we're honest with ourselves, we feel like we've kind of been unplugged from a power source. We've, we've, we've been disconnected from the Lord. Even if you think about the analogy that Jesus gives us is that he, somebody has to light the candle. They have to light the lamp. And the, the, if the lamp is not lit by a power source, by the person who lights it, it's not going to be lit and so what's happened is we've been disconnected by the power source. And even if we weren't, didn't feel like we were connected to the power source all the time before COVID, at least before COVID for some, right, you were used to being on a timer. <laughs> Every Sunday, you're going to be plugged into the power source. But with COVID, some of us felt like it's a bad idea. And that watching online is just not the same to do every week. And so now even our timers are thrown off and our whole lives are kind of feel like they're just kind of disconnected and disjointed from this power source. And so I just want to remind you of how important that power source is and what the power source is. The power source for your life, for everybody's life, right, that really wants to go through life the way they should and how they should, is, is Christ, his word, and the church. And if you're disconnected from any of those, right? you're, going to have, you're, going, you're going to struggle to illuminate the world. You're going to struggle to be a light. You just are. Right? Uh, the, the scriptures that reveal Christ to us and his church, like those are the realms of the Holy Spirit. Like that's, that's where the, the, the Holy Spirit exhibits himself the most is when we are reading God's word or when God is speaking to us through his word and as we are in the midst of God's people and the church. And if you've been disconnected from any of those for any period of time, it's just going to be very difficult to be who God created you to be. And so this is why, you know, the writers of the scriptures, they, they, they point to the word and getting in the word. And this is not an unfamiliar verse for you out of 2 Timothy here, but I just want us to see this, just to be reminded of this, that all scripture is God-breathed. And I stopped there and highlighted that for this reason. The, the word in Greek literally means that it's God-spirited. That's what that word means. It's actually not a real word. Right? It's a made-up word. The, the writer of this, Paul, is the only person who really ever uses this word and the Greek language. It's a, it's a compound word that he made up. And what he's saying is that the, the entire Bible is, is breathed out by God. It's God's spirited, that God's work is at work in the Holy, in, the Holy Spirit is at work through the writing of the scripture here. It's written by humans, but God is at work in it. And it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be fully equipped for every good work. And so if we are not in the word that the spirit is at work in, what we are not able to do is the good work of God. And if you spend an entire year or maybe even the past couple months or past couple days, past couple weeks, whatever it might be, away from this, this God's breath, all right, you're, you're probably pretty beat up. Or, or, or maybe you're, you're just not shining as brightly as you would like. And, and so this is really important for you. We're going to talk about this more in, in the weeks to come. But I, I just want to, I, I, I want to say this. 
is that you need a Bible reading plan, not because your pastor wants you to read the Bible, like I do, but um, <laughs> you need a Bible reading plan for you. If you have a goal of growing spiritually, this, according to research, right? The best research that we have that shows like who are the people that grow, right? As followers of Jesus, it's those who read their Bible at least four times a week. Why four? I have no idea. <laughs> but those who read their Bible four times a week are more likely to tell people to feel like uh, that they are growing closer to the Lord and be doing the Lord's work according to all the research out there at this time. And so I have given, there, there are, are plans that you can get on our Facebook page and other places, but just have a plan. It doesn't have to be a good one. Just have one. <laughs> it, 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 can be, it, it can be just read through Matthew this year. Just read through Luke read, and read it every day. Read it every day. If you want to read the Bible in a year, start today. Start reading three, three chapters a day. By the end of the year, you'll be about six chapters short. You can finish it off, right? If you just start today. There are plenty of plans out there, and I can help you with that, but have a plan. This is a must-do. Must do. The second is we've got to gather. We've got to gather as we reconnect. We've got to gather in groups, and we've got to gather on Sunday mornings. The, the thing about the Christian faith is that it's very personal. Right? The Holy Spirit, I, I believe the Holy Spirit speaks to individual, individuals in the same way that it can speak in the church. But Christianity is never private. It's, it's not a private endeavor. Right? God uses people as he, as he, in his church, as he works throughout his church. Right? Both the word and God's people is where the Holy Spirit's presence is. It's just where he dwells. Jesus makes this clear as he's speaking to his disciples. He, he says this in Matthew 18, 20. He's talking to them. And pay attention to this verse, but uh, here I'm going to highlight verse 20 here. It says, again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything, uh, anything they ask, it will be done for them by, the fa by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. So what Jesus makes really clear here is that he is among the gathering of his people. He is with you when he's not with his people, but there is something special about being together. There, there, there just is. And I'm not trying to make anybody guilty for watching us online right now. I'm just asking you to start preparing. It may be July, it may be August, but at some point, right, you just, we have to recognize that, that God does something in groups greater than he often he does in the individual. And, and we see this, right, in this verse here. These, the, these people are trying to reconcile relationships. Here's kind of what this chapter is, is. Some of this is going on here. And they're trying to do things in God's name. And he said, well, how are you going to do that? You got to get together, is what he says. And so we know the Spirit's presence is at work when God's people gather. So this is really important for us. And then this is just kind of the way the Spirit works in Hebrews Book of Hebrews, and this is one of the verses that we just kind of use as a theme for our church because we want people to belong. We want people to, to be together. And so in the, the book of Hebrews, we're told, make sure that we, we let us consider to stir up one another uh, to love and good works. So well, how do you do that? Right? By not neglecting to be together. 
You can't encourage people you don't communicate with. You You can't encourage people that you don't reach out to. You can't encourage people that you don't see. You can't encourage people that you don't meet with. But this is this is our, our job as believers. And we must do this. It says, as you see the day drawing near. Now, these Christians are going through difficult things here. Why does, why does the writer of Hebrews want to point out that Jesus is coming? The reason that all the writers of the New Testament talk about Jesus coming is because their lives, they're going through difficult things. And so as they're going through difficult times in their life, well, what are Christian believers supposed to be doing? They're supposed to be encouraging one another. And so I just want to stop right here and I want to speak to our growth group leaders, our discipleship leaders, any leaders of people in our church. Because I know, I've struggled with this, by the way, as a leader myself and as a, as a growth group leader. Um, we've, our group really hasn't been meeting a whole lot because all of us are trying to meet with family and all those sorts of things. And if you meet with this person, you can't meet with that. It's super complicated right now. However, I know that some people in your groups, right, some people that you lead, some people that you love, some people that God has called you to even shepherd as kind of under shepherds are struggling right now because they have not been encouraged. And they are coming off the holidays and they are really hurting because they weren't with family, they weren't with friends, and they're not in church, right? So what do you do? You need to start thinking about reconnecting. You need to start thinking about connecting with those people and reaching out to those people. If they're vulnerable and they're still not ready to get together, I, I get it. Right? I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not ready to tell anybody, like, right now is the time. Be here. Do that. Like, I, that's, but you need to make sure you're on the phone with some of these people. Right? that you're sending them messages, that you're checking in on them, that you're asking, maybe some of them, right? They're just not showing up or around you just because they don't think people, somebody cares. That nobody, is, nobody has connected with them and are going through a difficult time or depression has set in. So I hope, I hope, especially if you're a leader, but even if you're some people in the church, begin to commune with them again, begin to check on them and begin to encourage them. Now, I want to just conclude this message in a really simple but important way for us. And it's with communion. As we think about reconnecting and connecting and communion and communing with other people, I think this is a a way that uh, we remember our obligation to others and our communion, communing with them, but also to God as we begin the new year. Uh, communion reminds us that we commune with God, right? That we have a relationship with God that has been made right, possible through the work of Christ, through the reconciling work of Christ, makes us, who, make, who puts us in a right relationship with God. And one of the reasons I like to use the word communing and not just the Lord's Supper 
is because not only do we commune with God when we take communion and are we reminded that on a daily basis we commune with God as children of God and as the people of God and as people who have access to the Father through the Son, mediated by the Holy Spirit, but that when God does this, he calls us to commune with one another. He gives us a, a spiritual family. He gives us the church. He gives us, he gives us each other right, that we are to commune with. And if you read through the New Testament, what happens with communion or when communion is always taken, it's always taken when? With other people. Right? You actually don't ever... I, I, I was just thinking about this this morning, right? It's a bad time to write a sermon is right before you give it. But I, I, I don't think communion is ever taken without a group of people, right? In the New Testament. It's always taken as a, as a meal with other believers. So I think it's a good reminder this morning too that, that God has given us a church, that he's given us other believers to commune with that are a part of God's work in our lives. It's part of what God is doing in us. It's how God speaks to us. It's how God encourages us through other people in the church as we are reminded, as we remind other people of the work of Christ. And as we show them the love of Christ in our lives, as we reach out to them, as we share with them, and as we encourage them. And so I want to encourage us to take communion together with that in mind. You can follow along as I read. For I pass on what I received from the Lord himself on the night when he was betrayed. The Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it into pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take and eat. In the same way, he took a cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed by his blood. Do this in remembrance of me, as often as you drink it. Take and drink. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's pray. Father, we begin 2021 thanking you for Jesus. We thank you that as we begin a new year, we do not do it alone, but that you walk with us. And I pray that we remember that. I pray, Father, that whatever we build our life around, that you guide and direct. I pray, Father, that we build everything on Christ, our firm foundation. I pray, Father, that we live lives of great significance. Not that any of us need to be remembered 
for each and everything we do. But help us. I'll live in such a way that would bring honor and glory to you, that would leave the world a more loving and hopeful place. Help us live in such a way where people would know that we love them, that we care for them, and that we live lives that honor you. Father, I pray that if we feel disconnected, if we feel disconnected from you, if we feel disconnected from people in your church, I pray that at this time we would begin to reconnect with you. I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would begin to work in our lives in such a way that you'd be able to heal some of the brokenness and maybe even some of the depression and maybe even some of the anxiety that keeps us from communing with you and from hearing your voice. I pray for our church. I pray for this year. We do not know what's to come. And that's fine. That is not for us to know. We are not to worry about tomorrow. But Father, to live for you today. Yet I pray that in the future, as, 21, as 2021 continues, that we would reconnect with one another, that you would guide and direct our church, that we would be people who reach out and encourage one another, that when we gather together, that we would know that your spirit is present and that it is here, and that we will leave this place on Sunday mornings thinking, thank you, Lord. I pray that you would guide these friendships that we make throughout the week, I pray that as we conclude this message, Father, that you give us all a vision for our lives that will make us more hopeful than when we came in. And this is in Christ's name I pray. Amen.